In this video, I had a chance to talk to Ruslan. Ruslan has like 100,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, 12,000 followers there, uh, 30,000 on TikTok, 25 on Instagram, uh, 16,500 on YouTube, and he owns his own record label. He makes his full time, he makes a full time income from just music and essentially just music and his content alone. And he built that all up organically. He didn't use Facebook ads. He didn't use Spotify playlist marketing. He didn't use any kind of payola. He did it essentially the good old organic hard work way and he shares like so much behind his process in this video i know it's a long one but i think it'll be incredibly valuable for you to watch it the whole way through and uh take notes if you have to because uh, some of this stuff i'm definitely going to be trying to incorporate in the future as well so hope you enjoy the video make sure to leave some uh questions and comments down below and yeah enjoy i want you to just kind of introduce yourself to everyone on my channel We'll let them know what you're about now, what projects you're in, what you have coming up, and uh, kind of like a short backstory. So my name is Ruslan. I'm a hip-hop artist, entrepreneur, based in San Diego. I'm originally from a whole nother country, uh, Azerbaijan, Baku. So I, I came out as a refugee, moved to San Diego in the 90s, totally different climate, totally different time. <laughs> and I got exposed to hip-hop music, hip-hop culture, fell in love with it, and as I was in high school, I discovered that I was not going to be a professional basketball player, that that, that ship had sailed. Uh, I learned about this little thing called genetics and discovered that uh, there's not a whole lot of Armenians that have made it to the NBA. Uh, so I was like, man, okay, well, I, I guess I gotta do something else. I thought the next best thing would be to rap. I was already kind of dabbling in music, loved music. And yeah, man, started doing music and haven't looked back since. And I started, I think I recorded my first song in like 99, 2000, put out my first retail project that was like in bookstores in 2004. Kind of started making some money between 2008, 2011. I probably could have went full-time 2011, 2012, didn't have health insurance, started like a little boutique label around that same time. And then finally quit my job in 2015. So it's been a 20 year journey. A lot of people don't know that. I look much younger than I am. Uh, shout out to all the alkaline water that I drink. And yeah, it's been dope, man. And so I, I do a couple different things. I produce my own music. I make my own music. I have a few artists that I work with and I do obviously YouTube and I have this fire Patreon community that I'm building up that uh, is almost like a, it's like a, it's a dope little ecosystem where there's bartering happening and people connecting. And then it's also a cool way for me to kind of look at the next generation of artists of who I want to partner with and help develop simultaneously. So it's like a win, 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 you know? Um, and, yeah. and I do a lot of work with them and collaborations and stuff like that. Wow, yeah, that's, that's super cool. Uh, so is, I, you mentioned your indie label, which I heard you bring up in some of your videos. So um, like how, how'd you go about like starting your own label? And, and how's that going? Like, what's the process behind that? Yeah, you know, the label was just like, bro, I was the only one that was like sort of business savvy. And I had all these buddies around that were rapping and wanting to do music and wanted me to help them. And so I figured, why not? You know, I'm, I'm around these really talented people. I, I kind of know business a little bit. I mean, I don't didn't know anything in comparison to where I'm at now. And uh, I've always been entrepreneurial. So I was like, well, why not? You know, why not release music with my friends i could figure out the systems and the, the how to fund it and orchestrate it and get it mixed and get producers in house and get you know uh, engineers and features and music video shot i've always done video for a while i was pretty early to doing video and directing my own videos editing my own videos 
And I was like, why not? You know? And so that it really just kind of came together that way. And then over time, it became more and more profitable. And as it became more and more profitable, I had to kind of rethink of how I was doing it and what is the most valuable, what, like what's the most amount of value I could add to my artist. And I'm still walking through a lot of that stuff is trying to figure out how to really make the label pop, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I see a lot of people saying that they want to like start their own label and, you know, various like music marketing, Facebook, Facebook groups and stuff. And I've always wondered like, how does the, how does that work? But it's it sounds kind of like it's it starts very naturally. Like you have your own music, you're already promoting your own stuff, and you probably use some name as your own label. Um, like for me, I, I use my company Generi Studios as the mm -hmm. record label. It's not officially a record label. I just listed mm -hmm. as the record label. But I'm guessing if like if I had some friends that uh, I wanted to kind of you know assist and provide the kind of support label, where it would just be the process of you know either registering as an LLC and then kind of mm -hmm. formally. Yeah, I, I was I wasn't an LLC for the longest. I mean, I I became an LLC because one of my artists did a deal through Interscope, and the deal went through me, and so I had to. I had they were yeah. like, hey, like you can't be a sole proprietor. Like you got to go get your LLC if we're gonna do business with you. And I was like, okay. And so like five yeah. years later, finally got an LLC. And yeah, it was dude. It was as simple as like, say you Andrew do videos, and you know how to shoot music videos, and say you know how to mix and master, and you do some of the production and or you have relationships with people that will give you discounts on some of those services and then you yeah. just hey so and so is dope he's down the street he doesn't have the skill set to learn all this stuff i've learned over the 10 years you've been doing music i'll i'll partner with him i'll i'll help him create this stuff and i'll and i'll take half or whatever percentage you think is fair mine's just usually like a 50 50 right. split and so initially it was it was literally that and then you know i, I had my, some of my own capital, a little bit of my own capital to invest. And then I had more, uh, now it's more like the systems, like learning the toned ins and learning really how to dial in and grow people's Spotify and grow people's Instagram. And so we could take an artist like Paul Russell, when when we came across Paul Russell did not have an Instagram, like he didn't have a music Instagram. So we were able to grow Paul Russell in, I think we announced him in 2018. Yeah, summer of 2018, summer of 20, uh, excuse me, winter of 2019, he's on a song with Lecrae on the Christmas album, which was me kind of orchestrating my relationships over there. And just like, hey, you guys should check out Paul Russell. So he gets on his song with Lecrae, he drops his own, me and him drop a record together, he drops his own record. And so now fast forward, you know, 18, 20 months later, he's at 6,000 followers on Instagram. So to grow an artist from literally zero to 6,000, yeah. I don't even think that's a lot. Like, I think he should be way bigger than he is. I thought he would have been bigger by now, but it's still showing that like, I can take something and build it into nothing simply because I'm around and I'm connected to my micro tribe and I can get it in front of more people. Um, I mean, 6,000 people, that's that's nothing to scoff at. I mean, if you get 6,000 people in a room, that's a, that's a lot of freaking people. And just growing organically, like, myself on instagram you know i i've, I've probably been doing it consistently for a year or so mm -hmm. um i probably should do it more but i've gotten it to like 1200 1300 people so mm -hmm. you know instagram is not the easiest thing in the world to build anymore like it was five years ago so yeah man and and, and i think you are probably doing a lot of things correctly and that like you didn't approach it kind of fumbling into it like you approached it correctly and so for you to grow from zero to 1200 that just shows that that's like a healthy amount of growth, I feel like in a year, you know? So I think for me to go from, get, take, to take an artist like Paul from, you know, zero to 6,000 and his, his Spotify followers are at almost 5,000. He has 
seventy thousand monthly listeners or something like that. He has his monthly listeners are good. Yeah. So I, I I can kind of finesse and orchestrate stuff, and it and it works out. You know what I'm saying? It works out. He's not. He's not where I want him to be, but he's making money. He is profitable off of music. And two years ago, me and his girlfriend had to sit down and convince him like, hey man, like you need to make music. Like, you know what I mean? And so for someone that literally made not a dime and within six to 12 months, he's making, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month, 500 bucks a month, 600 bucks a month. And then there, there's great months and, you know, obviously with shows and all that kind of stuff when we had shows. So yeah, so that's, I mean, that's all it is, man, is just leveraging my, relationships in my audience to try and point it to an artist I believe in and it just and it kind of comes yeah. together and I'm getting better like I'm getting better as I go I feel like yeah so I'm sure there's like a million little steps involved in that process of getting an artist from like nothing to 70,000 monthly listeners but if if you had to give someone you know uh, like let's say it was focused on Spotify for example um, what is the number one thing that you would focus on if you get a brand new artist today to take them to the point where you took that artist? Collaborations, collaborations in your micro tribe, uh, collaborations as primary artist. So that's actually what I'm doing all summer. That is my strategy. Like there is no, there is no, there's no secrets with me. You know what I mean? So what I'm doing is I'm collaborating with artists who have more or the same level of followers. And we know that when we're, we're both primary artists on a song, it's going to set off bells and whistles in the right. algorithms. So I got a song coming out Friday with Stephen Malcolm and Stephen Malcolm is signed to uh, Four Against Five. They're under a big conglomerate. Well, they're not that big, but they used to have a situation with Warner Brothers under Word. So anyway, Stephen Malcolm is kind of like one of the marquee artists in, in our niche and he's a, he's a good friend of mine. And we have a song coming out and he's a primary artist. And because I have a relationship with the A&R and the label guy there, they, he let me list him as a primary artist. I took a little bit of patience and, you know, uh, chopping it up and making sure he was cool with it. But I paid for the video. I, I produced the beat. I mixed the song. I have my, my engineer, Ayman, master the song. Did Ayman master the song? I think Ayman master. Anyway, I say all that to say, uh, we got a song coming out Friday. He's a primary artist. He has, I think, way more followers than me on Spotify. That's gonna set off bells in the algorithm. The following two weeks from then, I have a song coming out with an artist from our Patreon community. I got a single coming out with Sharp Dialect. That's a situation where they have, I think, less than a thousand followers on Spotify, but they were submitting stuff on Fan Love Friday, our live stream, and it was basically like, oh, bro, this is a hit. Let me hop on this record. We'll split it. You know what I mean? And now I don't have to do the producing of it. I don't have to do the mixing of it. I don't have to do, right? It's the it, situation's kind of inverted. I have big, a bigger following. They have a, a small following, but they got a great record. So they could drop that record on their own and get, I don't know, let's say 50,000 streams over the course of the lifetime of the record. Or they could drop it with me and potentially get 500,000 streams. And even cutting me into the publishing and the split, that's still, they're still gonna make way more letting me be on the record than dropping the record on their own. You know what I'm saying? Until they get to a certain point. And then and obviously we're all homies. And so I'm putting it on music bed. So there's gonna be opportunities for it to get sync licensing. So I'm presenting that uh, opportunity opportunity, the relationship, right? So it's a lot of it is just like building relationships and knowing like, well, what do people want? Well, people want an audience, people want um, to make money, right? And so in the Spotify thing, it's the same thing. Maybe, maybe you don't have a huge following on Spotify, but you shoot really dope videos. So you reach out to an artist that's not 10 times bigger than you, but maybe twice as big as you. And you say, hey man, like, can I pay you for a feature? What would it cost for you to do a video? Uh, 
send them a couple different songs. And if the, the, let them pick the song they love, not the song you want them on, but the song they love, and have a plan to get that song out there. And the thing is that the way that it benefits an artist like me is I want those monthly listeners. If it's a great song, my monthly listeners go up, right? So, so, yeah. so it's all in understanding what are people after. People love vanity metrics and Spotify is genius for dropping that vanity metrics on everybody. Yeah, that, it's, it's funny that you, that's the first thing you bring up because you see so many sources, like directly from Spotify for one, saying one of the best things you can do as an artist is to do more collaborations. And, you know, I'm, I've been trying to do more and more over time um, because I, I've understood that. And like me reaching out to you to collaborate on YouTube is like one of those ways. Like it works on YouTube just as well as it works on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. And on YouTube, we have similar audiences, right? So we're adding similar value. So it's natural. Uh, a portion of my audience is going to cross populate to you and check for your content, which is good because I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think your content was good and vice versa. Some of your audience is going to check for me. And this is how you, you grow YouTube rappers. I don't know about your genre, but rappers tend to be more competitive and it could get kind of toxic and weird and nobody wants to collaborate. And so where I see competition, uh, I'm looking to collaborate. I'm, I'm like, oh man, you, we have similar audiences, you know? And that's how I've been able to consistently grow my Spotify is just like really strategic collaborations and getting those monthly listeners up because then it's it's all social social proof, right? Like if you go to my Spotify and you say, oh, Ruslan has 90, whatever, 5,000 monthly listeners on an off cycle. 500 monthly oh, listeners. Oh snap, we, bunched, we bumped to 98. So like I'm in, a, I'm in an off album cycle, but what it does is it's just, it's, it's social proof, right? It's the reason why people yeah. think Lil Pump is a good rapper. He's not a good rapper. It's that he has 15 million Instagram followers. So there's social role that's popular, therefore it's good. And if it's popular in a micro tribe, then people are gonna think it's better based on those numbers. So it's, it's all like smoke and mirrors to an extent, man. It's, you're trying to get those numbers up. It, the numbers don't really mean that much. You know what I'm saying? You're good, bro. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's, in terms of like the, the numbers and stuff, I mean, I, it matters to the extent that like people, people are much more likely to stick to your brand if, if they see those numbers. Like, even if you have the best music in the world, if they see you have like three monthly listeners, they might not even ever listen to your music. And Absolutely. As I've, as I've learned more about marketing my own music and even helping people out marketing their music, I've learned more and more that there's really, the whole saying that great music sells itself is just a complete BS lie. Like not true at all. <laughs> I, I get so many submissions on SubmitHub that are like the best songs I've heard in years. Yeah. And I look at their Spotify profile and it's like a thousand monthly listeners, 2000 yeah. monthly listeners. And I'm like, I get angry a little bit. Cause it's like, I, it, it's, it's so good, but it's just not popping. And I get the vice versa case where I get some horrible song and I reject it. And then I look at their Spotify and it's got like, they got like 300,000 monthly listeners. And it's, mm. it's a shame, but it's, it's just the way the world works, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's you're, you're totally right. I mean, unless good music sells itself, if you're Kendrick Lamar's little cousin, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shout out to Baby Keem. I'm not sure if you know who that is, but that yeah. that's usually how how it ends up working out. About the the like rap world being a, like a lot more competitive, I've, I've noticed on Instagram. Um, I'm sure you've seen all the people with like bot automations where they're like commenting something, being like. Hey, I'm a 15 year old producer from so-and-so making hip hop yeah. beats. Come check out my profile. I've noticed that it's pretty much always uh, hip hop for those genres. So I, I don't know what, like what it is. If it's just like the type of person that's more likely to get into the genre is more competitive or if it's just, 
there's so many more people doing it that they have to be competitive. But in the electronic and kind of poppy music world, I've, I feel like it's a lot less uh, intense. Well, I think hip hop is, 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 it's in our DNA to be entrepreneurial. Like if we're looking at the landscape of hip hop, there's a huge interconnection between rap and street culture. I mean, like huge. So most of our big hip hop labels, and I don't, you know, I don't want to talk too much, but are funded by guys that came from the streets, are still affiliated with the streets, or at the very least investors from the streets. And this is just common. So, so there's a huge connection with um, the overlap of, of drug money, and you know, on, on an indie level and on all the way up, you know what I mean? The biggest artist, think of your biggest artist. And there's some, especially out here in LA, it's very obvious. It's very obvious that there's the gangs and there's intersection connected and it's very common. So it isn't, it's not uncommon. So I say that to say, hip hop just tends to be more entrepreneurial. Hip hop tends to be more connected to that entrepreneurial spirit. When you hear Jay-Z talk about selling drugs and then he said the biggest thing that blew him away was that his music gets blasted all the time in, in the boardrooms of Wall Street, right? It's because when that entrepreneurial spirit is just so connected and embedded to hip hop. And I think that is probably why you see guys more in hip hop trying to finesse the bots and trying to figure out how to market and trying to, you know, I don't know how many guys like you there are in your subgenre, but I could tell you in hip hop, you got me and I'm one of the smaller guys on, on, on the spectrum, but you got me, you got Curtis King, you got Brandman Sean. Curtis King, Curtis King Beats.com, right? Curtis King uh, Busy Works Beats. There's like uh, DJ Payne. There are multiple YouTube pages similar that are all north of 10,000 subscribers. And some of them are in the hundreds of thousands of subscribers that provide the type of information you provide. Um, and they all are actively still rapping and still making music and still selling beats, you know? <laughs> so I just, I just think it's just so embedded to the culture, man. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's a, uh, so I guess I wanted to dive more into, um, a couple different, different ways that, um, you market your music. Cause that's, that's one thing that you've covered a bit, uh, well, a good amount on your, on your channel. So you dabbled with the tone den stuff, right? Yeah. Have you dove into just straight up Facebook ads? A little bit, a little bit early on. Um, I did, uh, I would do this thing called the weeklies. Yeah. I would do this thing called the weeklies where um, three years ago, I dropped a one take music video, live audio every week for, I don't know, 24 weeks. It's a terrible idea doing a live audio. Um, That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible, horrible. Stude, worst decision I ever made as an artist. But, um, because it just burned me out. But in, at that time, yes, I, I would go in and I would boost certain videos and I would, ex, uh, I would go in and I'd even run ads to certain videos and test different audiences. So I did that and I saw minimal results because man, I, I, the way I joke about it is like, um, looking at that Facebook ads interface is like trying to understand how the matrix works. Like it is just so freaking confusing. Like, it's like, what is this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, and like yeah. toned in, toned in is like sitting in a Tesla and like, it's still pretty fancy, but you could figure out how to turn a freaking Tesla on. You know what I'm saying? Whereas right. Facebook's is like, bro, what are we doing? Like, what is happening? This is just, this is confusing, right? And they try to make it simple, but it just, it just didn't work. So that is really the only ads that I've done is 2017. And then like, I would drop an album, boost the video, little stuff here and there. Um, 
just kind of like testing stuff. Consistently every album I would do something, but I didn't really see the results. And then I realized, oh, Facebook, unless you're selling a t-shirt or a widget, the way to really do Facebook ads is just to know that, man, I'm doing these for visibility. I'm doing these to build awareness. And if you run it like that, then look to convert your audience later, you're gonna be better off than trying to convert them to buy an album or to buy a t-shirt. And that's kind of what I was trying to do. Instead of saying, okay, well, let me figure out how to just get them to see me and understand that this is a, this is a long-term play, 10-year play, five-year play. The more eyeballs, the more people in a micro trap. So now, having explored more and learned more about marketing, I'm approaching it where, you know, 10 bucks a day in Instagram, Spotify ads through toned in is going to go way further than me trying to trick people into buying a t-shirt. I have a whole nother strategy for how I'm going to sell my merch and my t-shirts. Um, and so I think a lot of artists go, go into it thinking that they're going to convert. And that's just not what art, that is, that's not what marketing and advertising is. Like Nike isn't trying to sell you something every time they get an ad in front of you. Nike wants you to know that they're Nike and they're superior to any other brand out there. And therefore they're spending a ton of money on advertising, you know, because they just yeah. want to be at the forefront of your consciousness. And so if we approached our music that way and less of like, a, oh, how do I, oh, but how do I make my money back? Like, no, you, you, that's just the yeah. point. You don't make your money back. You know what I mean? And, let, and, and even where I'm with, with Spotify, I'm going to make my money back on those toned in ads. But that's because I'm at that weird tipping point where, uh, you know, an extra 4,000 streams a day, an extra 3,000 streams a day over the course of the month is gonna make me more than what the ads are costing me. That's how it breaks down. But I'm in a very unique situation. Most artists just need to budget 150 bucks, 250 bucks a month and go and spend that, you know what I mean? And, and, and be okay with that not making you anything back, but know that it will grow your Instagram and it will grow your Spotify. And when you release something the next time, there will be more ears there to check it out then you get into, well, how do I pay for it? You know what I'm saying? Well, how do I, where, where do I get the money? I don't have any money. Well, it's like, man, you could, you could figure it out. You know what I mean? You could figure it out. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I'm huge into running Facebook ads, but I'm under no illusion that on the forefront, just like sending story ads to people and having them go over to my Spotify profile. I'm not assuming that that's going to break even or make a profit on its own, but on, I, I'm in another rock slash metal band. I'm the vocalist in that. And we spent like $1,500 promoting an album. And mm -hmm. we did a kind of like 50-50 Facebook ads and playlist marketing. Mm -hmm. And it was enough to cause three songs to get on Discover Weekly and a whole bunch of other playlists. And it generated like 280,000 streams. And in that case, it did actually pay it off just in Spotify alone. But the real okay. advantage of that is that you can now retarget all of those people later with like a t-shirt. Mm. And they already, you already know that they clicked and went through your Spotify. So you know that they're at least somewhat interested. And now you're coming with them and saying like, get a physical copy of our CD and a t-shirt for only like $14.95, you know? And then, so you, you try to make your money on the back end, or through email marketing or through whatever. That's good. So, that's a good, that's a good, that's a really good point because all that pixel information and people knowing, you knowing that people clicked on it and that there, there are people that are interested in them saying, okay, well, let me just get you to hear a song. And if you hear a song, you like the song, you add the song, you follow me. And then I could try to retarget you and sell you something that's a 20 to $50 item. That's, that's great. I love that, man. That's actually really cool. Yeah. And you can like keep cascading that. So like you can send someone a video and well, my hands in screen here. You can send someone yeah. a video up front 
And you can say that only if they watch like 50% of that video, mm-hmm. do they get this Spotify link ad. Mm. And then you can say, well, if they click that Spotify link ad, mm-hmm. then like seven days later, I'm going to send them an offer for a t-shirt or whatever. Mm. And so you can have this multi-tiered thing where- You're doing this in, in Toned In or in Facebook? This is in Facebook. I'm sure you could do it in Toned In also, but in Facebook- Yeah, you got you to gotta teach me your ways, bro. If you could teach me how to do that in Facebook, I mean, in, I can, in Toned it's, In, it's, that's money. The thing with Facebook is, as you said, it looks like the matrix when you open up. It's um, gross. But like once you learn, once you do it a couple of times, it's just like the same stuff over and over again. I love um, it. But yeah, it's, you can do all this magical stuff with like retargeting and you don't make your money on the front end. Um, do you ever use the whole Facebook, sorry, not Facebook, Spotify playlist game where you like hit up individual curators try to get on their playlist or do you ever try playlist promotion companies or anything like that? I have never done cold playlist reach outs. I have relationships with certain blogs like Rapzilla. My buddy, Mike LV has a, you know, playlist, a couple thousand people. Um, Goddess Trill, like those kind of playlists where I know the person personally and I'll reach out and be like, yo, like I got the song coming out. I need you to put it to the top of your playlist or hey, what's up with a cover, right? Um, back in the day, we used to have like the Christian guy at Spotify and he and like we, I could text him and that was freaking nuts. And so it was getting, yeah. we were getting covers and multiple playlists and then he subsequently got fired because he wasn't supposed to patronize directly with the artist. Um, and, yeah. and so we kind of, you know, because, because they want to go into an algorithmic way where you make it on a playlist and you use Spotify for artists and this whole thing where he had his own separate Excel sheet. And those, I mean, that was, that was dope. You know what I'm saying? Cause you can get on a hundred thousand, 200,000 person playlist. And if you're in the top section of that playlist, you do well. So, so I, we, initially we had that. And, and so I, w- I was spoiled, bro. If I'm honest, I came into the Spotify game with that relationship in my pocket, basically. Um, not that we, we were paying him or there was anything unethical happening. It's just, I just knew the guy that did all the Christian music at Spotify and I would be at events with yeah. him and we'd chop it up and he was super cool. And then a dude got fired and I don't know who's over there now. Um, I have a great relationship with a brother that runs a distribution company called RMG Amplify. His name is Doc Watson. Doc Watson is one of my good friends. He is from San Diego originally. So I do hire him, I guess, for playlist pitching. It's more so just like he reaches out to the DSPs. He has, I don't know, a couple dozen artists he's responsible for. He kind of tells me, don't drop on this day, drop on this day. And then he'll reach (laughs) out and be like, hey, just so you guys know, such and such artist has something coming out. And he's been able to deliver some crazy stuff for it. Now I do pay him, I do pay him. He's been able to land, like one of my artists, John Keith, his first project, debut project out the gate, he is on the front page of Apple and iTunes Christian. His album is right there. So you open and anybody that went to Apple Christian category, iTunes Christian, there's John Keith. You know what I mean? So that's needless nuts. to say, that's- dude, just on the strength of that, we did crazy numbers with that. The, the streaming on Apple Music was nuts. And so yeah. um, he's got us, gotten us looks like that, getting looks on Pandora, that kind of stuff. Um, and then Spotify, it's just, it's just more them knowing that there's stuff coming. And then they're looking at their backend analytics and we're like, what is Ruslan's click-through rates? What are the save rates? What are his followers to monthly listeners ratios? Which my followers to monthly, ra- monthly listeners isn't that great. Like I'm, I got 
12,000 followers and 98,000 monthly listeners, Spotify wants you to have it at half, preferably. So I really should be more like at 40 to 50,000 followers for the number of monthly listeners I get. That's what they, that's what they would prefer you to have. Um, so, and then I've submitted once through like one of those, I, I don't know if it was the website you were telling me about earlier, but one of those like, you pay 200 bucks and you can submit it to playlist and people will send you back feedback oh, on yeah. it. Um, yeah. Submit hub kind of thing. So, yeah. It, it, I don't know if it was submitted, but it's something similar. And I did that once and I just oh, was uh, like, it hey. might've been, it might've been playlist push actually. Something like that. This yeah. is years ago. This is 2017, 20, yeah. 2017 uh, is a record called Indy Jones, my first Indy Jones installment. So yeah. So end of 2017. And yeah. And that just didn't really do much like that. It was just like, Oh, okay. Like, didn't didn't yeah. didn't really yield any results. So I'm like, you know what? Now they want you to really let them do their job and do the algorithmic side. So I'm not going to get in the way of that. I'm going to let them do what they want to do. And if they want me to submit it through Spotify for artists and, and I have my guy that'll nudge along the guy there, you know, and I pay him for some stuff. I don't pay him for everything, but I do pay him for some stuff. Um, and yeah, and we kind of run it that way. So yeah, so you have a super. That's a super unique story because you've kind of built up your following you know you didn't do the facebook ads thing you didn't fully rely on the playlist thing you pretty much did like organic like guerrilla marketing like posting a ton of awesome content reaching out to people collaborating on singles on albums and um building relationships it sounds like right yeah yeah no you're totally right and now that i'm am actually getting into the more Facebook stuff, like I, I feel super late to Facebook and Instagram marketing. Like I feel, I feel way too late on it. And I think it's one of the, one of the mistakes that I've made, you know, this is why I'm on TikTok early. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm on TikTok <laughs> fairly consistent. Cause I don't want to miss the boat on that. I feel like I've missed yeah. the boat on Instagram, Facebook ads. And I, and, and I've seen buddies of mine, like my buddy, Nick D who dropped um, a song and a new music video every other week in 2019. And he grew his Instagram from a thousand to 32,000 followers. So he just wow. one year of focused quality music, quality visuals. He's a cinematographer by trade. So it's, you know, it's kind of the cheat code. Um, yeah. He grew 32,000 I mean, subscribers. There's no such thing as a cheat code when, when it's- Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and his has been a lot of Instagram, Spotify, uh, Instagram and Facebook ads. So he does both. And so he just signed up for Toned In and he's doing stuff been the back end of, of Facebook and then he's also using toned in as well. And so, uh, so yeah, man. So like, I feel like had I done that five years ago or two years ago, I definitely would have uh, been further along, but I just wasn't thinking, Oh, I need to find ways to be visible. I was thinking I need to find ways to sell people my music. Right. Like it was just an right. old, older mentality. And now I'm like, no, 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 I just got to be as visible. So that's why I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, getting into it now is probably good because you, you've already experienced kind of building things up organically. So you already know the struggle of building a brand. I mean, you're yes. just looking at a YouTube channel for five seconds. If you just look at the thumbnails. You got the the red hat, or you always got something red in the frame, and you always got a certain kind of style to your thumbnails. Your videos are themed and color graded a certain way. You know, you've built a very like consistent brand, and a, a lot of artists um, do it the opposite, whereas they they jump into the ads and the playlist before they figure out the brand and the the hard work that you put in ahead of time. You know, they do it the opposite yep. way. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I got it down to like, uh, like the font I use is the same on everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the the, the color grade, the do. colors. Yeah, everything is just cohesive and consistent. And there's guys that, I got a buddy of mine that, I mean, he just paid uh, outlandish amount of money to have a company come in and redo his whole brand and the box and this whole thing and new colors and new logo. And I'm just like, I don't know. I, just, I, I understand branding, I guess. I understand branding. I understand that personality is what's going to sell something more than the product and the trust. And, and I also know that people want to be, um, they want to, they follow people there that, that are aspirational. You know what I mean? And this is huge in rap, right? Like in hip hop, everybody is, there's an aspirational lifestyle. I'm a believer, so I'm not going to flaunt money and chains, even though I want to get a gold chain and a Tesla, you know, hopefully in the next 18 months. Um, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have like gaudy jewelry and like Supreme, like this is incongruent to who I am as like a man of the people. But um, I do things like I've gotten in shape, you know what I mean? And I got super shredded and there's per photos of me working out and I like do that. Why? Because I know that that's something that's aspirational. Like people see and they're like, Oh, I want to be like that. You know, I, they see me, they see themselves in me and then they see what I've been able to do with my body, which is just a metaphor with financial literacy and getting out of debt and, and being good with my finances uh, before I was full-time with music. And that creates something to aspire for. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a role model in a sense, but, but I, I'm intentionally showing different parts of my life. You know what I mean? And then there's other stuff that I don't show. Like, you know, I don't put my family on, on social media a whole lot. Like I'm not, I don't, me and my, my wife doesn't, me and my wife don't have a family vlog. You know what I mean? Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but there's parts that I don't show that I think are yeah. more intimate and not really congruent. I'm not trying to be the marriage, um, you know, marriage family guy. Cause I know that that can come along with imposter syndrome. When you're a, a high achiever entrepreneur and then you, you're already in this tension of every time I'm working, I feel like I should be with my family. And every time I'm with my family, I should be, right. should feel like I'm working. And then I, I would, I wouldn't want to put this energy out there. Like I'm some type of authority figure on freaking marriage. Cause I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I've been married for 12 years. I, I, me and my wife have a good, healthy marriage. Things are great, but I'm not going to put that out there. It's just not congruent with, with what my brand is. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at someone who I think most people would agree is great at, at branding and, and content marketing, Gary Vee, mm -hmm. for example, he never shows his his family, or even too much of his personal life. Like he's mm -hmm. he said this a couple of times, but he's like the most known person that you know nothing about him aside from his his business and what he wants you to know. And yep. for for most people, I think a lot of artists struggle when they think of social media. Like YouTube is, a, I get that question all the time. I want to start a YouTube channel because people keep telling me it's it's, it's super important to building a brand, um, or it's one of the ways to do it. But I, I don't just want to make like music production tutorials or I don't want to like show how I'm marketing my music, you know, like the, the stuff that you and I do. They don't want to do that. They want to do their own thing. And usually my reply is like, what else do you like to do in your life? You know, you don't just do music. I'm sure yeah. you have a bunch of hobbies outside of music. Like you work out and you show that. And, you know, I, I like this video photography stuff as well because I got the camera for doing videos. Mm. And I got into that. And, and um, your freaking, and your rack is fire, by the way, that whole setup <laughs> in the background is money, bro. I love that. It just looks yeah, amazing I'm, on camera. Yeah, I'm huge. I know. That's, that's why I like set up my camera this way. It looks so I good. Videos, I get this huge Eurorack thing in the back and it, 
it's you know, it's it's part of my image. And you know, that's that's one thing about branding. You know, my studio is it's like a character in all my videos. At least that's how yep. I imagine it. Yeah. So I have I have a certain lighting setup that I do, and even sometimes when I jump on Zoom calls, like just with a friend, I'll set up this lighting thing. You know, just because I, it's it makes me feel more comfortable and in in my zone, so to speak. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Same, yeah, same here. Same, same exact thing. And I think uh, I would tell people that say they want to be on YouTube, I would say go get on TikTok. I would say everything you want to do on YouTube, go do it on TikTok first and slowly get into YouTube because TikTok is just such an easier, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a easier on-ramp. On it requires less equipment to stand out yeah. and it freaking, you don't really know what you're talking about to, to hold down a 10, 15 minute video when you're first starting out. Right. You're not an expert on anything, yeah. especially kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old. Like, what am I watching you for? You know what I'm saying? You're closer to my age. You're, we said 28. Yeah. 28. You have a career outside of music. You're, you're interested. Clearly there's an authority there just probably with age and just experience you being eloquent, you're believable. But some kid that's 20 years old trying to tell me how to market Spotify. Like, I just don't right. believe you. You know what I mean? And so, unless you got like a gajillion play, plays on Spotify. Right. And so I think, but you take that same personality, that same charisma, that same charm, and you scale it to TikTok. You could see, and, 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 and the younger kids are naturally gonna be better at TikTok because they're closer to the, to the culture and you could create amazing stuff on TikTok. I mean, TikTok is a fire platform. You do all that and then you say, okay, now you push people to a Spotify. Now you push people to your YouTube. Now you, right, you, you ease into that. So I, I would say for a lot of people, I think, man, I discover a new freaking Christian rapper every single day on TikTok. Another guy who just puts his freaking phone up and raps into the camera and it doesn't sound great and it doesn't look great. It's lit decent and he's just rapping his heart into the camera. And some of these guys start out, click on it, got 10,000 followers. I'm like, holy smokes. You know what I mean? Some of these guys have millions of followers, a million followers, two million followers, right? And then they transition. Some of that goes to their Instagram. They get to 50,000 on Instagram. They go to, you know, uh, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. But I think that's where the energy is right now is, is, is TikTok, man. And I, I just feel like such a loser for not being more consistent on TikTok. And I haven't even shared my, I grew to 30,000 on TikTok fairly quick, um, but I haven't even shared my music on, uh, on TikTok. And I got buddies, I mean, my buddy, my buddy uh, Trey Little's at like 600,000. Uh, Bats, who's in our Patreon community, is I think at 280,000 on, on TikTok, you know, and he's just crush it every day, five videos a day. He's starting to work in his yeah. music. And he's just killing it, dude. And so you can't get those kind of results on YouTube right now. You can't get the unless unless you're unless you're older and you're hella charismatic and your videos look dope and you just you know what people want and how to communicate that. Hence a Peter McKinnon, right? Or like there's another guy I've been following that like you could tell he got to like a hundred thousand subscribers within the last year. And even that, I mean, what happened with Peter McKinnon was like the perfect intersection of the timing, the type of content he did, how good it looked. He knew what people wanted, how to title his video, and he just blew up really fast. But you don't see that often on YouTube. You see that every day on TikTok. Every day there's guys there that are are. going from zero to 20, zero to 20, 20 to 50, 50 to 200, 200 to 500, and then in the millions. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you, you know this since you're on YouTube also, is that YouTube is more of like a long haul game, like where content, content never mm -hmm. really dies. I mean, eventually dies, but it can live for years. 
and still get you tons of, of subscribers and, and likes and stuff. A TikTok post, like when you post it, if it doesn't take off immediately, it's dead in tw- like 24 hours. Mm-hmm. If it takes off, it can kind of get like a new life in the algorithm weeks later or something. Yep. But for the most part, the life of a TikTok post is is so small. But, you know, I, I tried to get into TikTok a little bit. And I'm just like you, I feel kind of uh, embarrassed that I'm not posting several times a day. Because when I did post several times a day, I noticed that I was getting, you know, for the for the amount of followers, I had a decent amount of views. Like mm-hmm. on Instagram, if you have zero followers and you post a video, you're going to get essentially like less than 10 views. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, if you have no audience, if you make a great video, your first video is probably not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. On TikTok, if you post your first video, you can literally get like 100 million or, you know, a million views Yeah. if it takes off in the algorithm. So um, I'm kicking myself for not getting into it more. I just like, I just don't have the time. And I'm sure we got to go tomorrow. Me and you both got to, well, we'll accountability, check in with each other, make sure we create a TikTok. Well, great. Right. If you made it this far, thank you very much. I hope you found that video super valuable. If you want to see more music marketing stuff on my channel, you can check this playlist right here. And if you want to check out Ruslan's channel, there's a link right there as well. And I'll see you in the next video. Bye.